Hey everyone, welcome back to the See You Boa podcast. This is a special edition that we're doing. We recently had our coffee hour with some professors here at CU, and we'd love to share that with you all. So without further ado, here is See You Boa coffee hour. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, hi, my name is Allie Anderson. Uh, I'm an assistant professor and I've been here just over four years. Um, the question about my career path. So um, I have loved space for as long as I can remember. And then uh, when I was in the third grade, I learned what astronauts were and that pretty much hooked me. Uh, and, you know, I was uh, fortunate enough, let's say that my uh, passion also matched what I tended to gravitate towards in school, meaning uh, I really loved science and I really loved math. And, um, you know, I was kind of looking around at different schools, trying to figure out what my major was gonna be. And then when I learned about astronautics engineering, which was basically aerospace, but really focused in on the space side of things, I decided that was gonna be my path. Uh, and so I, again, cause I was really fascinated by, uh, by space. And then finally, uh, you know, when I was trying to decide what I wanted to do for uh, grad school, uh, when I realized I could study human spaceflight as an actual thing to study, again, that just kind of made me more excited and ended up pursuing that. Um, my second year of grad school, I decided I wanted to be a professor because I really couldn't imagine giving up teaching. Uh, and I also really loved my research and uh, ultimately continued to pursue that and won the lottery and got to come here. So that's my career path. Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, so I actually grew up in New York City. Um, I went to Stanford for my PhD and then worked for a couple years in industry. Um, and then I joined the faculty in aerospace here in 1992, which is probably before most of you were born at this point, right? <laughs> um, I went through the ranks of being an assistant professor, an associate professor, and a full professor, and I was department chair for about five years. Um, then returned to the regular faculty. I this year just got promoted to distinguished professor, which was exciting. Um, my research is on uh, global navigation satellite systems, so GPS, and a lot of the technology and algorithms that go into using it for um, not just positioning, but also orbit determination of satellites and for sensing all kinds of weird things that you wouldn't think you'd be able to sense with GPS. So um, I like that. Uh, I guess, you know, the thing, the thing that's driven me through all these random things that I work on is I, I really just like solving interesting problems. And I think they're more interesting problems in space than other topics. So that's how I got here. So I guess I'm next if we're doing the alphabetical thing. Good job, Trudy, on, on setting that up. Uh, so hi, my name is uh, John Ma, and uh, th thanks first of all for, for inviting me. This is awesome. Uh, any chance uh, we get to actually interact with students outside of the classroom is, is really great. Um, in terms of my career path, so I, I've probably had one of those stranger career paths to ending up at CU. Um, I, I can't say that for sure, but, but I feel like it, it's pretty odd. So I'm, I'm from liberal Kansas originally. So it's a pretty small town in, in Kansas. And um, kind of like Ali, I was, uh, I, I kind of knew very early on in the sixth grade that kind of airplanes were the things that I loved. Um, and, and thankfully at, at that time, I had some really good teachers who, who really encouraged that love uh, when I was young and things kind of just lined up. And, and you know, when I left uh, high school, I got accepted to the Air Force Academy. Um, I, I really wanted to be a pilot. Uh, that, that was my, my goal. I wanted to, to be a pilot and go to test pilot school. That, that was kind of my kind of intermediate goal there. Um, but, you know, life happens and, and you don't always get what you want. Um, but I ended up with a great career. You know, I, ended, I was in the Air Force for 20 years and uh, I, don't, I won't go through all the ins and outs, but, uh, you know, moved over 10 times. And every time you move in the Air Force, it's a different job. Um, but uh, enjoyed my time in there. Um, I retired uh, as a lieutenant colonel uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago. And, um, you know, teaching was never in my career goal path uh, throughout my career. I, I, until I got an opportunity to go back and teach at the Air Force Academy while I was still active duty. And uh, I kind of caught the bug. I, I realized it was uh, actually a really enjoyable thing to do. And when I had the opportunity and, and kind of like I said, I, I feel like I hit the lottery and that, that CU was uh, gracious enough to, to give me a job. Uh, but I've been here for two and a half years teaching uh, as an instructor. Uh, my, I, I don't have research, I'm an instructor primarily, but in terms of, of where I've focused um, my engineering time, it's largely in aircraft design. And so uh, that, that's kind of my happy spot and, and what I enjoy doing the most, so. 
I'll leave it at that, hand it over to Trudy. All right, welcome everybody. And I'm so glad to be doing this again. Sorry, we can't be in person. The last time I did this, we were able to be in person, but this is the next best thing. Um, for those of you who don't know me, if you're not in the aerospace department, um, my career path has been a really interesting one. I'm a Colorado native and I wanted to stay in Colorado. I love to ski. I'm a huge ski fan. Um, I ski as often as I can. And that took me to a couple of different choices for Colorado schools. And I thought about School of Mines. I thought about CU, CSU, and CU just felt like home. And I was afraid that I wasn't gonna be good enough at engineering. And so I wanted to go to CU Boulder where if I didn't make it in engineering, I could always transfer to uh, international business was gonna be my plan B. Luckily, I didn't have to take my plan B and turned out that I love engineering and I, I uh, really, really, it was my thing. Um, I am really surprised at my career path. I didn't expect to get into teaching and having to stand up and talk in front of people because I was painfully shy. Um, but as you get practice with it, you get better and better at it. That's what I tell my daughter, who's also painfully shy. <laughs> She's a junior at CSU, so probably about the same age as some of you here. And what I did when I came to CU Boulder is I went into mechanical engineering. I wanted to actually design cars and I wanted to design either engines, combustion engines or aerodynamic shapes of cars, the actual shape of them. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of gravitated more towards aerodynamic shapes and got into aerospace. Also the aerospace program here at CU was just really awesome. Um, my dynamics teacher was Lee Peterson. He's no longer with us anymore. He's at JPL, but he invited me to come and work in his research lab. And from then on out, I was hooked on aerospace. Um, I helped develop the ITL lab in the beginning days of when it opened. I was the first engineer to move into the building and help work at the integrated teaching and learning laboratory because I was really passionate about the hands-on learning. I feel like a lot of people learn better when they can do the hands-on learning. So that became my passion and led me eventually into the aerospace department to run all the labs that we have in aerospace. And I also get to teach my own class in embedded systems. Yeah, great. Thank you guys so much. Um, that was awesome. So yeah, now we'll we'll transition into some questions. Yeah, this is kind of this is kind of a big question. Sorry to put you guys on the spot some, but you know, I think this would be great to hear you guys talk a little bit about. Um, yeah, what career goal do you guys hold uh, the most important? This one's easy for me, so I'll just jump in tenure. <laughs> so that's my career goal. <laughs> I thought I'm you were sure you'll get it, Allie. I thought you're going to say being an astronaut. So I'll tell you, Allie's when I interviewed Allie for the position that she holds, um, she, you know, at, at the end of a faculty interview, you meet with the department chair, which is really kind of fun for the department chair, especially when it goes as well as it did with her interview. So she says to me, Penny, I have to ask you a question. I really want to be an astronaut. So if I take this job and then I get picked as an astronaut, is that okay? And I'm like, Duh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I'll use that as my answer. I'll say I'll say that in in return, uh, you handled that wonderfully. I mean, I just can't imagine. I felt so stupid after I did that, and I just I didn't want to feel like I was lying. I felt like I had to tell you the truth. Uh, but also, I feel like that's maybe the difference between a career that I'm actively pursuing versus a dream that, you know, never give up your dreams, I guess. So, cool. I will say that um, uh, I've kind of shifted away as I've gotten older uh, from a really definable career goal. I, I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense. I've had a lot of uh, disappointment. <laughs> in in chasing a lot of career goals and, and that's not uncommon right you know ultimately you you should aim for things um and and you should strive for for certain goals but you know the reality is is at times you're going to fall short and i fell short on a lot of goals and have had to reestablish them many times over many years and ask myself okay now what 
you know, as, as, you know, an opportunity may have passed or you get too old for a certain thing. And um, so, you know, my career goal has kind of more shifted towards uh, just kind of a, a, you know, I want to keep learning as I get older. I, I don't want to ever get into a, a situation where, um, you know, I'm just punching the clock and I'm just watching time go by, um, you know, continuing to learn and then, you know, try to have an impact where I can. You know, when I was younger, the goal was to change the world. Uh, you know, I had I had aspirations when I entered the Air Force that that you know I was going to have this huge impact, and you realize very quickly that um, you know some of the biggest impacts you have are more local, uh, which is kind of why I gravitated to teaching. Ultimately, is that um, you know accomplishments within your career can be kind of fleeting, even if you do achieve them, they they come and they go, and and then you wonder, you know, you know, did, you know, did that really kind of live up to it? But I, I felt like teaching, teaching was one of those things that always kind of gave back to you. Um, you always felt like having an impact on people had a more lasting influence. So uh, I've kind of shifted away and maybe it's just because an excuse because I, I don't really have a goal right now. So <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. I like what you said, John. And I think that's a really important career goal is to be flexible. And, you know, a lot of the paths that you take in life, you may never expect and doors open when you don't expect them to. And just be ready, just be ready to take whatever path is presented to you in, in what makes sense to you and uh, the rest will follow. Great, thank you guys so much. All right, so we'll go on to our next question. Um, I like this one a lot. Um, what was your proudest moment? And we can keep going in alphabetical order if that's good with you guys. That's good because it always puts Allie on the spot. No, I think we should rotate. Like Halfway through, we'll go reverse. <laughs> That's fine too. Then it puts Trudy on then the spot. you're always in the, middle. in the middle. This is great. Round robin. Penny <laughs> starts this way. How about that? You know, I, this is a hard one. I, I was trying to think about it. I, I don't think there's like a single moment in my life that I could say that about, but you know, every year at graduation, when the students line up and, you know, they walk through across the stage, I always feel really proud. Like I see people who I had as sophomores or juniors or my PhD students. To me, there's something about that that just like, you know, makes my heart feel good. Um, so that's been really important. Um, seeing the new aerospace building open too was just really a tremendously proud moment for me just because I feel like it opened so many doors and unfortunately we've been out of there longer now than we were in there but it just it seemed to me like a really fantastic thing and then I also um you know watching my my kids grow up into really cool amazing people that's also something I'm super proud of yeah, I would I would agree with Penny on this one a lot. Um, it's it's really hard. You guys don't pull punches on these questions. They're really deep. Uh, you know that you when when I was younger, again, there were been moments that you know I could say like graduating from the academy was a really proud moment for me uh, because of the effort it took. But you know, again, as as you kind of get older, you 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 start take you you start taking stock of kind of the broad um, the things that probably you don't get recognized for. I think ultimately what I'm proudest for is over, over 20 years of, of you know, changing jobs constantly and doing different things. Um, you know, I've showed up for work every day and I've put everything into it. Um, and, and I think just consistency and in, in, um, always caring and, and doing the best at the job. And, and it's not a singular moment. It's more a reflection of a body of work and and trying to to live up to to a certain expectation day to day, um, and, and you know, as you look back on your career, kind of just that 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 journey is kind of the proud thing uh, versus any one moment. Yeah, I would say there's many proud moments. Um, I think one of the big ones is kind of like Penny said, um, is watching my kids grow up and to be amazing people. And I think I'm proud of the fact that I was able to balance um, an engineering career and having children, you know, I was very worried about that. Um, and I was very worried about how that was going to affect my career or affect my ability to be a mom. And, you know, neither did I do either of those perfectly, but that I was able to balance those and have my kids turn out well, um, is probably one of my biggest proudest moments. Um, the other one would be 
actually getting a chance to teach my own class instead of just um, lab managing and seeing some FCQs come in with positive feedback. I mean, getting that positive feedback from students is, is um, really another proud moment. Yeah, so at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I agree, like the, the I feel like, um, oh, you know, I'm, I feel proud and I feel good about like the arc of my career so far. And I think one of the things that is hitting home to me right now is how proud I feel of my students when I see them presenting their work. And I think that, um, and then seeing them, you know, really uh, having begun this job like just a couple years ago and now seeing them approaching graduation and seeing them in a, you know, grow in that process and then get to the point where, you know, they're absolutely going to be moving into industry or as professors and you know that I believe that they're going to be doing great work and really contributing to the field and so I just feel really proud when I see them uh and you know just just delivering on that like top notch just I don't know when, when you just see all the like all the hard work over all those years just kind of click and I don't know it, it's very rewarding to to see that so awesome thank you guys Okay, I like this one a lot too. Um, this is kind of more of a fun question, but yeah, if you, um, or yeah, what would you pack um, for a trip to the moon? Okay, I, I'll, I'll go first because I'm the, I'm the non-space person here. Because uh, everything I say is someone's probably gonna tell me, you can't take that to the moon. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I won't know what to do. Um, so I was gonna ask Trudy, do, can you ski on the moon, Trudy? Well, you sort of maybe could try to like in like the sand kind of areas, maybe do something, but it wouldn't be right. very good. So I don't think skis would be a good thing to bring. Yeah. Um, you know, not to sound too like this is probably sound I'd probably take my phone um, because I need podcasts, I need music, and I need to be able to read. And, and at least I can do all those in one device um, with my phone, but then probably a pair of running shoes as well, because uh, I imagine my knees would respond much better to my running on the moon uh, than they do right now on earth. Uh, so uh, then I can run, listen to my podcasts and take pictures of the beautiful view. That, that's what I would do. I was with you, John. I was thinking that uh, my phone, I mean, I'm pretty attached to my phone. I'd want to take amazing like selfies and post them on Facebook. Uh, I don't know if I would have the ability to do that because I probably wouldn't have any cellular service there. But, you know, maybe there was some way I could like send them down to the ground station and they could send them for me or something. <laughs> Lucky for you, Trudy, there are two senior projects working on your problem. Exactly. <laughs> they are doing an LT. PE system for the moon. There was an announcement that um, it was just awarded recently. I forgot what company got it though. Ooh. All right. So in round robin fashion, I guess I'm next. Uh, I also thought this was a super easy answer. Definitely a spacesuit. So I'm bringing my GPS receiver. <laughs> That's cheating. You guys are being practical. <laughs> Well, a lot of people think it wouldn't work all that far away, right? So, um, but I, I think it'd be worth testing, so. I was also wondering how well my dirt bike would work and I thought that would be really appropriate. Oh. You ever see the moon? So when they were trying to figure out if they were gonna have a rover, they had a moon motorcycle that they <gasps> investigated. But they oh, never- Oh, that's perfect. They flew it on parabolic flight, but then it didn't make lunch. Yeah, I definitely like the new commercial with the, um, it's the insurance company. I think it's like Allstate or something that has them on the rover and they're jumping off the different places. That's what I want to do. I want to go drive the rover. Awesome. That's a really fun question. I really like that one. Yeah, I'm trying to think what I would bring to the moon. I have no idea. I really do like the idea of skiing on the moon though. That would be pretty cool. If I could bring my skis, definitely would. Okay, so getting back into kind of more kind of more of the serious questions. Um, uh, we would love to know, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Trudy, you're up. I get to be first. Mm -hmm. I would probably say the best advice that I was given was by my mentor. He had my position before me, Walter Lund. He's retired now, but he's still around. And he gave me some really good advice. He said, Trudy, don't sweat the small stuff. 
You need to learn the point of diminishing returns. You can't be perfect. Nothing will ever be perfect. And you need to learn the point of good. What's the point of good enough? And we find that in senior projects. We find that in life. We find that in everything is finding that sweet spot of what's good enough and not going past to the point of diminishing returns. So I'm actually going to do two. Um, the first one uh, is actually from my dad. And um, he said this to me after I was, you know, really upset about uh, a failure. And he said, you know, all you can do is your best. And I think that that has really like hit me as like a mantra that I carry forward, which is that, you know, there are so many disappointments, so many failures that um, I've encountered, but I have felt okay and less disappointed about it because I know that at the end of the day, I did the best job that I could. And that's just not how it worked out for me. And, you know, I, you know, that, that, that it is what it is. And I just couldn't have done any more than what I did. And that was really, you know, feeling good and strong about the work that you did, even if it didn't get the end goal that you wanted is really, I think important, uh, just because it is so frequent that we experience failure. Right. Um, and then the second one actually comes from my grandpa and he would say this to me quite often, which was, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. And that's another mantra that I carry with me, which is that, again, I think it's so easy to feel uncertain about what you're doing and to not feel like you know what that next step is going to be and to feel like maybe you need to, you know, there's so much uh, self-doubt that I think comes along with trying to, uh, you know, to, well, we're really with everything. And that, you know, just to remind yourself that, you know, you know yourself the best and to have confidence in that. And if you feel good about where you're going, just keep doing what you're doing, stay the course, and you'll eventually figure out what that next step is. I was going to say two things as well. Um, the first is to, my dad didn't say this, but this was kind of how he was. And, and the message I got was, you should work really hard on things that are important to you. And you know that there's nothing bad about that. Like working hard on something that you care about is worth it. That's what you should do. And then the second is, um, it's kind of like what Trudy said before, actually. If you notice, if there's a door open to opportunity for you, you should walk through it, right? Like, you know, um, just have the guts to walk through it. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes you're not sure what's on the other side, but if you see an opportunity, just go for it, you know, so. Yeah, I'll also go with two, I guess. Uh, so one that's kind of stuck with me over a long time and one that just kind of recently I've been, I've been thinking about, but um, this one's been told to me by a lot of people and I've told a lot of other people this as well. And it kind of just goes off the variation of, of grow where you're planted. Um, and, and this kind of ties in with, uh, you know, failure and, and not achieving goals, but it also goes with just, um, you know, being a more patient, uh, you know, which I wasn't when I was young, but um, you know, you're not often going to find yourself in a perfect position, whether it be a perfect job, the job you want, whatever it may be. But um, if you allow that to impact kind of how you perform and, and the effort you put into it, um, you know, that, that, that often will limit your opportunities. You know, if, if you're not where you want to be, if you work hard, your opportunities to potentially get there improve. And it's, um, it, it's something that I had to embrace in the Air Force because very often uh, I was uh, told to be in a job as opposed to the jobs that I wanted. And so, um, but if you continue to do well in those jobs, you know, people are more open to listening to what you want to do down the road. Uh, and so, and, and that also goes with, you know, obviously not achieving your goals. Um, if, if you're not in the spot where you're at, then, you know, the, the work and, and putting your effort into where you are at will open new doors for you somewhere. Uh, and then the more recent one, and I, I honestly don't know who to attribute this to. I think I heard this probably on a podcast somewhere, um, but it basically goes around and, and the gist of it is we're all unfinished, right? And, and a lot of people walk around the world who, who try to act finished, but they're unfinished as well. And, and to me, that's just a reminder that one, partly it's, it's a little bit of, of, of just remembering to be empathetic and, and, and about where people are and where they're coming to you from, being open, uh, remembering that you still have things to learn, that, that you're not gonna always have the answer, uh, you're gonna make mistakes. And it's more of something that I tell myself to 
to just remind myself that, right? We can often be our own worst critics and be very harsh about things, especially when we don't maybe do as well as we'd like or achieve the things we'd like to do. Um, we're all unfinished, right? And so uh, it allows me to accept other people's failures more and it allows me to accept my own failures a little bit more. Wonderful, thank you guys so much. That's some really good advice. All right, and this is our last question before we transition into a Q&A with the audience. Um, and that is, uh, what inspires you about the aerospace field currently? Am I starting? Who starts? Oh, okay, sorry, <laughs> I lost track. Um, okay, so uh, I am a huge advocate for humans going to Mars as uh, for many different reasons, but I think what inspires me right now is that that feels possible and it feels like something I might actually get to see before I die. And I think that that to me is really critically motivating because it also kind of encourages me to really focus on the fact that, you know, I'm teaching you all and that like, I need to do a good job at being there for you all because I really think that you're the ones who are going to make that happen. And that to me is my ultimate dream is to see folks on Mars. I'm, I'm really excited about how uh, how many young people are so excited about doing engineering? You know, it used to be that it was a kind of a nerdy thing that you did, but now it's like a nerdy thing that you do. And um, like people really like it. And the fact that we have huge numbers of students applying and really interested, they understand how hard it is and then they still want to do it. I think that's really exciting. Yeah, I agree. I yeah, what's that? <laughs> I agree with Penny. I just, sorry, John, I'm going to jump in here real no. quick because I remember, you know, the days back, I came to see you in 91. So it was right before Penny came actually. And she was one of my real serious female role models because there weren't very many. And in the nineties and even the, in the two thousands, their aerospace field was kind of dwindling and there wasn't a lot of excitement for it. And the change in that now, and my daughter has a NASA sweatshirt and everybody's excited about the possibility of going to Mars. And, and I also am amazed that that might happen in my lifetime and definitely in my kid's lifetime. And all, these, all this excitement around aerospace field right now is just really inspiring. Yeah, I, was, I mean, my, my point was going to be very similar to what Penny and Trudy are saying. And, and ultimately, it kind of boils down to, honestly, uh, your generation not accepting uh, limitations or just being stubborn about what's possible. Uh, you know, when I graduated undergrad, you know, there was a great, basically all the aerospace companies were consolidating. They weren't designing many new airplanes. Um, you know, things had really kind of stagnated. No one really thought you know, that it could get any better, I guess, or they were just too willing to accept what was existing as the best it could be. And uh, it just seems like the energy has changed and, and that, uh, you know, this generation, your generation is just not willing to accept that this is as good as it can be. Um, and, and that's really exciting. And you just see that in the startups that are occurring, you know, the fact that, you know, I, that, I've yet to fly supersonic on a commercial airliner, you know, in my lifetime. And it's taken, you know, to this point for somebody to decide, look, we're gonna do it. Uh, and just those little things just indicate to me in the, in the growth that, that again, people are, are just, they're not, they're not settling uh, and they're not just sitting back. Um, they're, they're excited about, about pushing the boundaries again, which is really fun to see. Wonderful, thank you guys again so much. Um... Yeah, and that concludes the questions that um, we had for you. Um, so at this point, if anyone from the audience has any questions they'd like to pose to our panel, uh, feel free to speak up. We're thinking the best way to do it might just be like raising your hand, um, yeah, like Ace is doing right now. And then I will try to go around and get to everyone I can. So Ace, I did see your hand first. So if you want to um, unmute yourself and ask a question, I'll turn it over to you. Oh, thanks. Um, hey guys, regarding the, you know, recent year, recent year long situation. Um, I've personally been struggling a lot, like getting research done and getting homework done when it's just stay at home all day. Have you guys found any good coping mechanisms to, you know, get stuff done and keep in mind, I live in a studio too, so I can't even go to a different room. So maybe tips you have regarding that. 
Yeah, I can definitely relate with you, Ace. I haven't been liking staying at home. I, I really, I like being in my lab. I like working with equipment. I like working with the students and being at home has been extremely hard for me personally. And I've struggled with it. Um, going to the aerospace building today for just even a couple hours made me feel like a new person. Um, so finding maybe just these little moments where you get to do things, um, taking my dog on a walk, um, you know, getting, getting out and trying to at least do something outdoors seems to really help me. I've been doing online yoga with Gaia, like there's this Gaia thing, and that's been really fun. Like I'm not a yoga person or I've never been a yoga person, but I found like listening to their ideas. I mean, some of them are pretty hippy dippy, but you know, um, just the whole idea about breathing and opening your mind. And the, my favorite thing is this idea of, you know, balance is not something that you achieve, but that you keep working on all the time. So that just the, that whole, you know, left brain, right brain, just thinking about things like that really has brought me a little bit out of the stuckness of, of working at home which I used to hate working at home and now I'm kind of used to it, but definitely looking forward to being done with this. Yeah, I similarly kind of, I get my restoration from nature. And so I'm trying to take those opportunities. And another way in which I feel like I have been able to maintain my sanity is actually to be more organized than I am. And I feel like I have gained an ability to cope with the monotony by establishing really clear goals and objectives every day and then just allowing myself to feel like good about the fact that like I got that done and like that is like perpetually motivating to move forward you know because I feel like we can run into the trap of being like there's always more work to do but like just celebrating when you do get to that to that specific point yeah I'll agree with the nature thing and getting outside that that among all things probably helps my mood the most. I, I, I will, with Penny, I'm, I'm trying some different things as well because I have struggled. Um, it, it's almost like too much time with my own thoughts. Um, <laughs> now there's a lot of stuff going around, but but I've actually started trying to do some meditation as well, like in, in the mornings, uh, sitting outside, even when it's kind of cold out um, after my kids, you know, I walk my kids to school. And, and it really is just a, a way to kind of, um, not necessarily quiet the voices in the head and the constant thinking of what do I have to do? What do I have to do? What's the next thing that needs to get done? Um, it really is just trying to, to um, you know, let those thoughts come and go, realize that they come and go and um, just do a little bit of a reset uh, there and, and take just a little bit of time for, for you know, you to kind of stat, you know, get yourself ready for the day and realizing you're going to be stuck staring at a Zoom screen or doing whatever for a while, but but taking a little bit of time to, to recenter your thoughts a little bit. Um, I, I've actually found it really useful. I, I, I get, um, I, I'm a, a little bit of a creature of habit, so I, I like doing like streaks. And so, you know, the, the little apps that track how many days in a row you've done meditations uh, really motivates me for some reason. Uh, it's like winning at something, I, I don't know, but uh, it's actually been really um, useful uh, for, for reset, so. I would encourage trying it. I think it's been good for me. Thank you. I have an order here, so I'll just go based off of that, hoping that this is right. Um, in which case, yeah, it looks like Sarah might have asked a question next, so I'll turn it over to you. Hi, everybody. Um, okay, so I, I kind of feel like this has kind of been answered already, but I'm very curious. So I'm, I'm kind of looking for new hobbies. And I didn't know if anybody had something that they, you know, I, I, everybody likes hiking. Everybody likes skiing. We live in Colorado. So is anybody been doing like crocheting or knitting? Like, is there some type of different hobby that someone has tried recently or like years ago that they're like, oh, I totally love this hobby. Like you should try this. So I have a couple book clubs that um, I either joined or started, I have an exploration book club that has been so much fun because we read nonfiction stories about just incredible explorers and it's been great. Uh, but I also have, uh, I'm on a kickball team. And so my girlfriends and I and my kickball team, we read like chick lit thriller novels that like 
I would literally never pick up in a million years, but it's so rewarding just to have like brain candy to turn my mind off to and then chat about it with my friends. So. All right. I, I can't, I can't let the kickball thing go. You have a kickball team. I mean, for one, there's a, is there a league? I uh, get no kidding. You have a league. And then what's the name of the team? You got to share. Oh, all right. So, uh, so absolutely. I'm on a kickball team. Um, when y'all aren't in school and you need to make friends, I strongly recommend adult league sports. It's great. Uh, so my kickball team, uh, our name is the Royal Tenenballs. So for those of you who are Wes Anderson film, <laughs> we got, I'll go get my jersey in a second. It's pretty good. But, um, but yeah, that's our kickball team. And then uh, I guess the last, the last, I'm also technically in a third book club, but that's with my friends from grad school. And that's a sci-fi fantasy book club, which is also really fun. I also started um, getting more and more involved with cooking. And before cooking to me was just a chore, something I had to do to get done so that I could eat. It was just a way to live. Now that my daughter's studying nutrition, she's really got me into new recipes and healthy eating and actually trying to find, like actually cooking for the first time as a joy instead of as a chore. I can't top any of that. Uh, no, I, I, <laughs> I, can't, I especially can't top the jersey. That, that, is, that is amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to mute. I can't do anything. Yeah, me too. I got no answer for that one. Do you yeah. all know when you can apply for the DLA program? Well, is there a level that you have to be at or can freshmen apply? So freshmen can apply. Um, there's basically three really easy pathways for undergrads to do research. Uh, one is the Europe program. And this is a, you write a specific proposal. Those are due tomorrow though. <laughs> um, the other one is through the summer program for undergraduate research or SPUR. And then the third, and then a professor writes a prompt and then you apply to that job. And so you don't have to like organize that collaboration in advance. And then the same thing is true for the DLA. So the difference between the SPUR and the DLA is the SPUR is during the summer and the DLA is during the entire next academic year. And so those are just three really easy pathways for you to get funding. And then the last one I would say is just approach a professor whose research you think is interesting. If they happen to have an opportunity uh, to support like one of their grad students who's working on that project, uh, you might find a, a good pathway that way. The, the other thing I was going to suggest is there's some, the um, space grant, Colorado space grant has a lot of opportunities for freshmen. And so most people that I see working in labs later in their upper years have started in space grant as freshmen and you just volunteer and um, after your first year, you can sometimes get a paid position and be a lead of a team by the time you're a sophomore. So that's a great one. And then there's also Design Build Fly, which is more of an airplane uh, kind of club. And that's a good way to get involved in research. I think there's also, Jay McMahon is doing something. I forgot what it is. Um, maybe there's like a Hyperloop thing, you know, something like that. But but joining one of those kind of club things is a good way to get started. To, you'll get your hands on research and, and get to know people a little bit, and that's a good way to get started. Awesome, thank you guys. All right, um, I think Amanda, uh, you're up next. Yeah, um, hi, I'm Amanda. Um, my question's more directed towards Professor Anderson. Um, Earlier, you said that you were you advocate for going to Mars, and I'm just curious why Mars, like versus like the Moon or any other mission. So, um, for me, uh, I think the Moon is an important step towards going to Mars. I think it would be crazy not to go to the Moon and prove out some of the technologies that we will need for the surface of Mars. Um, and I also think there's a lot of interesting science questions that can be answered. Uh, for the moon. Um, but for me, I think Mars is the most interesting because it has the potential to really unlock the secret of, you know, how, like, there are so many questions about our solar system, the formation of life, the history of water within our solar system, by really doing a lot of uh, geo, like, basically planetary geology research uh, is really a great way in order to understand really how we as a species came to be on this 
crazy planet. Uh, and I think that um, we are super fortunate that we have these incredible robotic assets that are doing so much great science to pave the pathway for that. But I really see the future of that exploration to be humans and robots working together in order to maximize science because the human adaptability, the human mind, the human observation uh, capabilities, um, you know, the amount of terrain that a human can cover and to do geology to answer your questions is just orders of magnitude greater than our robotic rovers, even though our rovers are still amazing. So that's, uh, that's my, my personal opinion on that. Great, thank you. And then um, I think um, Madison had a question as well. So I actually came up with my question um, when we were talking about hobbies. So I definitely had some hobbies before all this was happening, but now that like school started and it's just crazy busy junior year, how do you guys recommend taking time to either just like step away, except that I'm not gonna be productive 24 seven because it's so difficult to not be doing things constantly, but actually take time for like yourselves as well. And then I have a follow-up question after, so. Thank you. I think yeah. you have to schedule it into your day or into your week. Like try to schedule me time, whatever works for you in that schedule. If that's mornings or if it's late at night or Sunday afternoon or try to just dedicate some time, just like it's a meeting and say, you know, I'm gonna try, you know, it can flex, but I'm gonna try to have this be my scheduled me time. And that me time can change from week to week as things come up, but just try to schedule it in. I know it's really hard. Yeah, I would agree with Trudy. It, it is really hard. And that's a really, I, I think that's a great advice to try to schedule it. But you also have to just hold yourself accountable to that schedule. Just realize that, you know, taking care of yourself is not a luxury. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a necessity, right? To, to do anything else you want to do well, you have to take care of yourself first. And, and I think you can, you can tell when you're performing better when you do that. It still makes it hard to do, right? There, there's the pressures all around you to continually chip away at that, at that me time, right? To, to chip, because that's the one time you probably can control con entirely. And so um, you just have to guard against that and be, be very aggressive at, at protecting that time that, that is there for you to make sure you're maximum, you're in the right frame of mind and, and, and in a position to where you can do everything else to the right level. Just to follow up on that, I find if I schedule time, then it actually helps me get motivated because I know I'm gonna be doing something Friday afternoon. So it helps me motivate to get my work done so that I can go do this thing Friday afternoon. Whereas if I don't have that thing to look forward to, it's just life is kind of monotonous. I think it's all been said. Great, and Madison, did you mention that you had a follow-up question as well? Yeah, so actually this is more directed towards Professor Ma. Um, I just wanted to know why you think bow ties are so cool. No, so yeah, I, I, I don't know who to blame for trying to manufacture this, uh, this anti-Professor Johnson thing. No, uh, no, I fed into it a little bit as well. It, it's, uh, the bow ties are fine. It's, it's a choice, right? It, it's, a, it's a choice that, that uh, uh, is, is perfectly well for some people, but may not work well for others. You know, that, that's okay. And, you know, I think, uh, I think Professor Johnson specifically you know, the, the bow tie is, I mean, that, I think that's a good look for him. I think that's a good look. I think he, he, he wears it really well. I couldn't pull it off as well as he does. We actually have another bow tie wearer in the department. You know, Josh Mellon often wears a bow tie. No, Josh? Yes. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. So now, now you're outnumbered. <laughs> I don't know about outnumbered. That's still only two people on the fact. Come on, let's, let's, let's don't get carried away here. Great, and I think we have a couple more questions. Um, so Jess, um, I'll turn it over to you. Cool, thank you. Um, this is open to everybody. What is your favorite class that you've taught on campus or that you've seen on campus and why? Is this open to us too? Okay, favorite class, Dr. Anderson's class, Medicine in Space and Surface Environments. Coolest class ever, COVID made us, you know, it canceled the space analog that we were supposed to do for a week during spring break, but I'm planning on being here for at least another three years to get my master's. So 
I will be taking that class again before I die. I was, it's going to happen. I was going to vote for that, that one too, actually, because I sat in on that class and I agree. Cool but from class. a teaching perspective, I, you know, you guys are going to laugh, but I really like teaching the sophomore dynamics class um, because uh, it's just interesting to watch people evolve in it from being people who understand freshman physics into people who think and solve problems from a more engineering perspective. Um, and I know it's a really hard class and frustrating and sometimes students hate me when they're done with it, which is not my intent at all. Um, but uh, I really think that I, I love teaching that class because it you're with students at that transition and sometimes they don't recognize the transition till later, but it's, it's fun. But it's hard to compete with 2004, which they're taking at the same time, which everybody likes. <laughs> Well, I, I love teaching 2004. I'd say from a teaching perspective, that, that's my favorite. But I, I really wish um, that, that I, I could take a ton of the classes that I see listed in the CU catalog. There are so many that just, you know, it goes back to the, you know, the desire to continue to learn. There's just so many things out there that I, I would love to look in and you know, just learn more about. Um, it's hard to pick one. Um, I, I need to make some time to see if I can actually sit in on more other classes. But so um, I, I have loved teaching medicine in space and surface environments. Uh, I think that, you know, so, so not to, I think that that's just a really fun and unique opportunity. And I get to, you know, work with some of my medical colleagues. So I like that interdisciplinary, but I will say uh, this is my first year doing senior projects and I love senior projects. And I think it's for very similar reasons of what Penny said, which is that it is so cool to just see how incredibly good the seniors are like to see them present so professionally to do it just knock out jobs on their engineering it's i i really really enjoyed that i really like the project-based classes so i i have kind of a split between the microavionics class that i teach where they get to build their own project at the end and i'm just always so fascinated at how they go so many different directions because they're given complete openness of they can build an automatic system to open the blinds in their house or they can open them they can do a magic box or they can do an autopilot or they can do all these different things and again like senior projects I like seeing the evolution of coming from nothing at the beginning like literally like zero to actually making something at the end it's pretty cool so I know the aerospace field is kind of split into aeronautics and astronautics. And I was wondering if you guys could do like a little pitch for your field, like to get us, like which one should we go into? Not to put you guys on the spot, yeah. but I thought it would be you're, fun. You're getting me in trouble. I'm definitely outnumbered. Uh, yeah, for sure. From, from a lot of ways. No, I, look, I was, uh, like I said, I, I fell in love with airplanes early. So there was never any question for me. And, you know, my undergraduate, um, you know, at the, at the Air Force Academy, it's a separate department, you know, astronautics and aeronautics is a separate department. So there was always a little bit of a rivalry there. I, I can't, I really can't, because I honestly think uh, everything that the, the folks on the space that are doing is amazing. Um, I, I, I wish I understood any of it <laughs> to the degree they do, but it's so exciting to watch. I sit in seminars at the department and most of it goes over my head, but it's still just amazing to see everything that's going on. Um, so I, I won't, I, I can't take it. I, I, won't, I won't make that pitch because I just think it, it's all pretty amazing. I'm gonna say you don't have to choose. In fact, our department has very deliberately not split into two or even created two separate tracks because like other schools like UT and Georgia Tech, you pick a track and then you take more courses in depth in, in your track. And we've really, um, I don't know, struggled to make sure that you don't do that. And we make everybody take aerodynamics as well as spacecraft dynamics and all that stuff. And I think it's really good for your brain because there are things, you know, you think they're so different, but you actually learn a lot by having the exposure to both of them. And so if you wanna specialize, go to grad school. Um, you know, and uh, they're, yeah, they're not as different as they seem. And, and okay, as much as I really, as an undergrad, hated thermo and aero, and I, I can honestly say I still don't understand anything about fluids, I feel like it was good for my character. So, 
I agree. I, I would say at this point, don't choose. Uh, leave both of those doors open because you just don't know what paths are going to lay out there for you. And there really isn't one or the other. And I do like that our program doesn't have tracks. Um, me personally, I wouldn't be able to pick. I love them both. So I, if you put me on the spot, I, I don't think I could pick. It'd be like picking between my children. I just can't. <laughs> And I think it's also really cool that y'all have an opportunity to do that really in this department and even beyond, you know, the classwork, the, the, this department is so interdisciplinary, uh, even, you know, uh, within the research areas that we do, you know, you have folks who do remote sensing, which is, you know, much more on the science side, but leveraging aerospace assets for doing that kind of science. And, you know, I think that that's really a, a unique uh, position that you have that you have uh, exposure to. And I just follow up real quick on on what everyone else has said, because I do agree that like, ultimately, I think there's there's a little bit too much of an emphasis on specialization, especially at the undergraduate level. There is so much value in having breadth, especially when you think about design or anything else. And, and I mean, Al, you're probably the best example of this when I look at your resume in terms of just a broad range of knowledge to bring a lot of different perspectives to problems that that you may not have if you didn't have that experience and that that different framework to look at different things going through so i think it's really important not to be too sucked into the i need to specialize early uh or you, even you know as you go throughout your career you should always look to to gather knowledge from different disciplines great thank you guys so much and since we've gone a little bit over time i'll go ahead and start wrapping things up um just a huge thank you again to our panelists it was so great to hear you guys answer these questions and you know, just thank you so much for your time and your willingness to join us. I mean, we were pretty shocked that we were able to get this panel of just some incredible professionals. So we're really appreciative of your time. And, and yeah, thank you guys again. I think that's all. Um, yeah, I hope you all have a good night. Thank you all. Have a great night. Thank you. See you later. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care. Take care. Thank you Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye.